0: Um, this is the thing right so if there isn't at least a minimum of, um, of uh, we'll say like 92 fucks I won't even air the episode
1: <laughs> well let's get that <laughs> fucking
0: started <laughs> alright Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer, soda, water, coffee, tea in the fridge. Cheers, my friend. Yes. Yes. It is a good day. It is a Wednesday, but if you're listening to this, chances are it is a Tuesday because that's when episodes come out. It really doesn't matter. I'm blabbing everybody. I'm joined today (laughs) by a new friend, somebody that is uh, really close with a lot of people that I'm close with, but... One of those awkward situations in a music scene where you don't really cross paths with one person.
1: Like right. somehow <laughs> everything, like you know, we're you it's know, like, sh- sh- yeah, like, we're all. Always- I saw you walking down the street at Millville, and I, <laughs> because like I've watched the Normal Creatures music videos. You know, uh, Boslin, uh, Jordan Boslin, and Miles Mahoney were friends, and yeah. So I'm like, oh, I want to go. I'm like, want to run up to him, and I'm like, well, that's probably not a good idea. You haven't officially met him. <laughs> like, hey, Normal Creatures <laughs> guy, Brian, what's up? And you're like, how do you know me? like
0: that looks great and uh yeah so if it hasn't already been said everybody please make some noise for my new friend royce
1: what's up y'all i'm happy you're here the people
0: of the internet are happy that you're here how you
1: living you know i am uh i'm living as well as living can be sometimes Uh, You know, after post pandemic and all those things, it's like trying to catch up and get back to like normal, but also realizing that there will never really be normal again. Sure. So how do you adjust to that?
0: Well, the thing that is, you know, maybe not everybody can relate with this, but for me, like living this like underground artist life nothing was really ever normal honest and you're always kind of like you know (laughs) doing some weird shit to figure out how you're gonna make the next thing happen right so like you know a pandemic thrown in my lap for me i was like well this is inconvenient but life is very rarely convenient for an artist right so Figured it out, right? We were probably more equipped than some others, maybe.
1: I, I feel like we were, <laughs> like you know, we <laughs> the, those of us that are like we've been on the grind. We promote our own shows. We put up, put together our own shows. You know, we um, reach out to our our audiences directly. I think that we were prepared for when you couldn't be out anymore. Because, yeah, because like I, I made a comment to um my uh my bandmate Dante Dante Jordan AKA Dizzy, um and. Yes, that was a that was a drop. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I told him, I said, it's so funny to watch all these celebrities like cramming like, oh, no, this is our livelihood. I'm like, I've been playing to two people for 10 years, man. Like you sure. just learn how to just do it and fucking go, you know, and you adapt. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm blabbing now. So. <laughs> hey,
0: you know, it's a podcast. We blab away. Uh, If it hasn't been completely made obvious already, Royce is a musician slash artist slash human being on planet Earth doing the damn thing. Let's
1: do like the quick kind of little notes of who and what Royce is. Okay, so Royce, I am James Royce. I'm the front man of a rock band, uh, like a rock fusion band. The genre of music we do is called black rock. We'll pin that and get back to it. Very interesting. (laughs) Um, I'm a singer, songwriter, producer. Uh, I have been in this project. I started this project in 2017. Um, The artists that I've been working with now, who are Miles Mahoney on guitar, Jordan Boslin on drums, Dante Jordan, a.k.a. Dizzy on vocals, Jacinta Lady J on vocals, um, Chris Volpini on bass, and Shaheem Dean on DJ. I've been working with this group for about two and a half years and um, we have, I feel like we have all the components we're gelling together to like really take the project to the next level. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's what I am. I'm also a human being. I'm an artist, a filmmaker, um, do a little bit of visual arts, you know, just awesome. try to be a renaissance man.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I feel as though in some ways you don't have to be. But life is so short, why not be? Right.
1: (laughs) You know, know, why, why not be? Because we have all these opportunities to just do things and we choose not to because we're like, oh, well, we have this status quo, we have this. No life is short. We don't know where, where it ends or where it begins or when the expiration date is. So live it to the fullest. You know, if you're an artist and you like painting, throw some fucking paint on the canvas, you know, sell that shit for $3 million, you know, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) But just experiment and grow as a human being
0: and as a person. Mm -hmm. I think it's super important. So we put a pin in the, uh,
1: the term black rock, I believe. Let's, let's dig into that. I'm curious. So black rock, the, uh, the pitch that I usually give people, black rock is a genre that is built to pay homage and pay respect to African-American artists that have influenced American culture and the worldwide culture. Yeah. Um, when I first started doing rock music in my teens, I got a lot of adversity from both black and white Uh, sides of my life Um, a lot of the white people were like oh man that's rock and roll like Led Zeppelin and this and that you know and not having knowledge and understanding I didn't
0: not having knowledge (laughs) that Jimmy Page pretty much ripped off every off off of black artists
1: right you know but but (laughs) you know they're telling me like no you can't do this and then black people like yeah that's white people music and going along this this road but saying like I love rock I love blues and finally getting old enough to do some research and learning about Muddy Waters, yeah. learning about Chuck Berry, learning about Little Richard, you know, and getting into my history. And I said, why is it that we have such a divide with this genre of music? Mm-hmm. Why is it that when you talk about rock and roll, it's like it has to be under the guise of a white artist or no, a white label or a white that's producer? That's the thing is like the, the idea of
0: black rock, like I understand where you're coming from. And it almost like pisses me off that, you even need to say that talk about it because like like, rock is you know at its core that's what it comes from right and the reason why you're getting like why you get so much pushback and like honestly i've gotten pushback too because like i do a very similar thing to you in terms of just like melding a bunch of genres together with my music genre fusion it's like there are people that are like oh if you try to introduce it's like okay like we took something whitewashed it and now, if you're going to do anything that makes it less white, like we're not going to approve, we're not going to approve it. And it's right. really, really corny.
1: It's it's corny as fuck because yeah. you know the the essence of black culture as it has derived through, like the, sorry, I'm about to use a lot of, <laughs> but the, as it's derived through the African diaspora of us, is very inclusive from religion from community like we are not a group of people that generally are like no you can't have i think that over years we have become more and more kind of aggressive in it because anytime that we do have something they take it and they whitewash it and then we don't get the credit for it and it's not even so much do we want the credit or do i should i say from my opinion i don't want to say like oh only black people can do rock and roll i just want to be involved in the conversation I want to be able to say like, yeah, I love Jimmy Page and I love Van Halen, but I also love Jimi Hendrix and Muddy Waters. And why do we yeah. continue to say like, oh, well, those are different. They're sure. not different.
0: And like, why is it when there's like, you know, like you'll get situations where it's like, oh, like, like that band's really cool. Do you see? They got like a black guitar player or like, oh, do you see that band? They got a girl singer. Like, right. What's did the you big, see the girl drummer? What's like, the big fucking deal? Exactly. We're all this humans. Is, it's we music. all like music. And, like, I think you know, so much of it, too, is, like, everybody gets fixated on this genre thing, but so much of it is attitude. Yes. Like, when I was a kid, to me, hip-hop was no different than rock because it all had a similar attitude. It felt the same. Yeah. There's so much of hip-hop that feels rock and roll. And there's, and there's so, so much, much of rock of like, and roll
1: that feels like hip-hop. Yeah. Like, or, didn't... like,
0: punk rock or anything. It's all about, like, the the essence of it and, like, what it is built on. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird when, down the line, it gets corporatized and becomes yes. this thing where it's, like, you know, oh, now like I can go buy a Sex Pistols iPhone case <laughs> at fucking Best Buy.
1: What is happening
0: here? It's so right. weird.
1: It's, it's fucking weird, I feel man. Like we're like, like missing the point somehow. I, yeah, we're. I feel like we're missing the point, and that's why focusing on like this genre and and it wasn't really the the name of the genre came out of just the fact that like I'm spiting the fact that I have to tell people sure. that black people can do rock and roll too. You know, my first EP was labeled Black Rock, and the genres on it were more like neo-soul and um, uh, R&B, and we had some rock in there and some blues, and then as I was just growing with the sound, I said, I've always loved hip-hop, I've always loved rock and roll, I've always loved uh, trap music and drill and R&B and soul. Why can't I just fuse them all? Sure. And that's where I was like, okay, that's what black rock is. Black rock is the fusion of African-American culture so that we can at least say, or at least I can say, I had a part of it, of like expressing all of myself and not allowing society or labels, because that's really what it was. These conversations with labels and they look at you and they say, well, I don't know what to do with a black-led rock band. Sure. Or venues say, well, people aren't going to show up to hear black people play rock music like venues here in Pittsburgh saying that shit. And I'm like, really? Have you not heard of Afropunk? Have you not heard of a band called Death? Have you not heard of In Living Color? All these groups that have done it before and their success in it, if you like tap the right target, sure. they don't want to try. They don't want to do the, re- the legwork mm-hmm. because rock music is in this space.
0: Yeah, I think that it's really, really hard when you have this huge disconnect if we want to get into like the conversation about venues like where so many people that run venues don't understand the music side of things or know anything right so if you're lucky they get some sort of uh, a talent buyer or someone that is like a promoter that will book shows for them and help curate mm-hmm. shows there yeah but it's very rare that people that curate shows curate curate outside of their friend group yes So then you create these weird insular bubbles and like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's always a thing that is meant to be malicious because sometimes too, like if you're a promoter and like, say like the only people that, you know, are like back alley sound and the bleepy things and Royce, like if those are the people, you know, those are the people are going to book. you know, they're reliable and they're going to come through. Exactly. And it takes a lot of time and effort though, to like take chances on other bands and start to build out because on the flip side of things, there are a lot of bands that you might take a chance on. You're going to get burned. Yeah. Like there are a lot of local talents that are just, I mean, they just don't show up. The only thing they're talented at is being unreliable. That's really about it. Right. So it's, it's a big web of shit to really dig through. But In terms of like finding people to take a chance on you as an artist, that's like really the hardest thing unless you're doing something that like fits a specific mold. And again, I've dealt with that since the start of doing Normal Creatures and back when we were going under Sykes and a New Violence. And even back when before that, when I was just Sykes, I was just a rapper with an iPod. Mm -hmm. It was like, like, what is this? You know what I mean? Like, Like what are you doing? Yeah, sure. It's like nobody wants to see me at rap shows because, like, keep in mind, this would have been like, you know, two thousand eight, nine, and like I'm like rolling around on the ground, screaming on top of beats. <laughs> I was like a decade ahead of my time because now that's I could very you can very I could probably, well do I that. could probably do well now, <laughs> and I'm happy. I'm not bitter about that. I'm right. like I think that's great that like overall, people that listen to music have become a lot more welcoming of that like melting that pot melting of genres. Part. Yeah, right. But yeah, venues do have a hard time catching up, and it's really hard for them to take a chance because mm. really all it takes is for that venue to have been burned one time by some weirdo that they didn't know, mm-hmm. and the next time that they get hit up by a weirdo they don't know, like you, they're like, yeah, I don't know. I think that we're just going to go with, you know, the, the, uh, the fucking... Uh, the, the,
1: the ones we know. The, we're the, gonna... the tribute band again. The <laughs> right. cover band again. The cover band, the, yeah. you know? Um, no, I I get that, and I just... um I feel like part of it, you know, it all works together. Because if you have artists that aren't showing up and not doing what they're doing and not respecting the craft and the art, then you have venues that are like, well, I'm not going to take the chance and the risk because, you know, you know we have to start to work together, yeah, I think you that's... know, and to find unity in it. And to really, for me, it's about just getting back to what art and music is about, you know, like you talking about when you were starting out, you know, rapping and everything. When I first started out, I was a Christian rapper. So I didn't say fuck, but, <laughs> but, um, I used to rap over techno beats and I was a part of the new metal scene, Okay, you know, and it was still even more restrictive because it's a Christian space and I'm going to churches and they're expecting, you know, Chris Tomlin and here I show up and I'm like, no, I'm a rapper. Oh, it's a rapper. Okay. You know, and then I get up there and I do my thing and I would have people walk up to me and be like, wow. Even though I was not expecting that or I didn't know what to expect, thank you for speaking to me and touching something in my life um and that's really what it's about is being able to touch lives totally to be able to change and to create change. you know we mm-hmm. want to see the diversity back when hip hop started in the eighties, you had punk kids and rappers and and black kids from the from the ghettos and and Hispanic kids from the ghettos that got together and they just built together. Sure. You know, it, I want it to be more about that. So that's kind of my goal and focus. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's just a matter of getting like venues or promoters and people that don't know you to take that chance. And it could be hard, but there's always somebody. Yeah. And I think that a big part of this kind of leans into the whole like, uh, social media and branding yeah. conversation where I, I start to feel a little sticky and gross. Um, <laughs> It's like funny because like, you know, I have a podcast and I'm very much a person that is online a good bit, but there are a lot of things about it that I don't always feel so great about participating in. Yeah. But sometimes in order for a venue to take a chance on you, it's like, well, you know, you got to have the right numbers and yeah. the right look and, mm-hmm good footage of you playing shows like proof of concept Mm -hmm. receipts yes if you will you have to have those things
1: right and and that's why for me going the more independent artist route you know i've been been doing music for i guess since i was 13 years old and in that time i was a solo rapper and then i was in a band with my brothers and and then I started Royce, and in that time, I just tried to learn everything that I could because sometimes it is about give, putting the legwork in. Um, a lot of, even black rock as a genre, I intentionally did things so it would catch people's ears. If the venues aren't going to give me a chance because I'm different and I'm stranger, you know, it's it goes against the grain, then I'm going to give you quality music, quality visuals, quality photos that show you I'm serious. I'm not yeah. I'm I'm not playing games, you know, um, and as as an artist and, and taking that as serious, you start to understand the business more. You start mm-hmm. to understand, well, damn, that's why they didn't want me when I was 16. I'd have been a fucking problem. Sure. You know, I didn't I didn't know what was going on. You yeah. know,
0: it, it. it takes time. I think that a lot of people don't realize how much time it takes and mm-hmm. sometimes it can seem like something happened out of nowhere but i bring this i bring this example up a lot so i apologize for frequent listeners of the podcast that have heard me blab about this before but an example that i always like to bring up on talking about this is Billie eilish mm-hmm. because for so many people it's like oh who is this girl she came out of nowhere blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. She's 19 years years old now, but you do realize that her and her brother have been recording music in a bedroom for the past decade probably. Right. Like they grew up together recording songs. This didn't just happen out of nowhere. Right. Sure, didn't. she's just getting popular now, but I had people sending me Billie Eilish stuff like four or five years ago.
1: Yeah, she re- recorded to, songs and, yeah. and did things before. Yeah,
0: it's 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 never overnight. Yeah, it's yeah, never it an never overnight is. success. Yeah, you know? It's a
1: lot of work. It is. You know, It's either a lot of work or a lot of money. Sure. You know? <laughs> or a lot of both, bro. <laughs> or a lot of both, you know. Um, but, yeah. that's Because
0: that's the other thing that I was going to say, too, is like in terms of getting some people to take you seriously, sometimes it's like, you know, sure, maybe you have, you know, decent online numbers and stuff that looks good. But sometimes it's just like, look, I want to rent out this space. Yep. How much do you want? Yep. And you can establish a good relationship sometimes with the venue based off of that. And then maybe if, it, if the show goes well and they know you, mm-hmm. it might help out down the line. You have to like be willing to invest sometimes. I think yeah. that sometimes, and I understand as an independent artist, like when you start talking about monetary things, how it's really easy to kind of get scared by that mm-hmm. because none of us really have a ton of money to just throw around or take chances with, you know, right. but in order to get past a certain point, it has to enter the conversation. Right. You're not going to be able to, you know, break a certain part of the ceiling without having a certain amount of money
1: behind you. It's just impossible. It's, right. It's it, And so even in having that understanding, it's like getting into the business of it. Like, yeah, sometimes it is. Get your friends together get that venue put on a really good show be mindful when you know i i love putting on and promoting my own shows i felt like if i was going to get noticed in pittsburgh it'd be by oh yeah the guy that's got a really good band and puts on great shows sure you know we've yeah. uh i've been putting on shows since 2017 i've done them at YMCA i've done them on rooftops um i did a pool party last year yeah 2020 um and it's like each time those numbers grow, but it's like each time I learn and I understand yeah. a different aspect of it and I understand the information I need when I go sit down with a venue. Oh yeah, I put on these shows and, my, and I was able to get 150 people here. Yeah. You know, that means something because the first question they ask is, well, what's your draw? And a lot of artists don't think about what their draw is because if you're doing a festival, you're automatically playing for two, 300 people because they're coming to the festival. Yeah. So it's hard to know how many people you're actually drawing. So thinking about that, how much money it costs to rent equipment, you know, whether you have the right equipment, mics, in ears, all these different aspects that when you get to that certain level, you're like, Oh wow, that's there. But if you don't have that information, it's like, I don't know. I'm I love to just be a part of all of it. (laughs) No, I
0: think that it's really important to be in a position where um and i always advocate for bands to be their own promoters like mm-hmm. there's really no reason to get somebody else involved unless it's like a huge huge show that somebody's inviting you on mm-hmm. or of course if you're playing out of town like you there needs to be some some connection but like i can't tell you how many times we've gotten emails and this isn't an ego thing it's just really a practicality thing of people that would hit us up be like, yo, do you want to play this show at like the Smiling Moose? You know, and you know, if all the bands sell this many tickets mm-hmm. and all this stuff, it's like, dog, if I wanted to play at the Smiling Moose, I'd hit I the would just fucking moose. call the Smiling Moose. <laughs> like, I don't
1: need you to I don't play need at the j- Smiling Moose. Right. And like, like so you're going like, you you to book, book me for something I ha- that's out of my reach. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't book me for things like know the artist and know like you've been in the game for a minute. You know, you have information, understanding if someone's reaching out to you, they need to do their research so that they know like, oh yeah, this guy can get the smiling moose. He's looking for something else.
0: Yeah. You I, know? I think that, you know, and it you know, I'm definitely the type of person where like if anybody hits me up for a show, like a promoter immediately, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, who the fuck is this?
1: Right. It's probably
0: <laughs> in the same way that like they might look at a band. Right, and I don't know if sometimes promoters realize that there are people that are looking at you the same, the same way, that way you're, that you're looking at us because
1: I don't trust them. I yeah. don't trust those motherfuckers. I get I get an email. I'm like, here these motherfuckers go again on some ticket shit on some you know oh sell these many tickets then I'm book bu- I'm pushing this show and I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that and you cancel on me last minute yeah nah it's I, you I, I get burned by a couple of those money, so you're like <laughs> the the ticket thing you know I have
0: some different takes on it. I think that for like an all local sort of showcase thing if you need your artist to sell tickets you're not a good promoter right hands down i, I always feel you like you can if you get the right if you curate the right lineup in the right location with the right vibe and energy around the event it will sell itself you don't mm-hmm. need to force bands to sell tickets
1: you don't but let me ask you this um what's your take on venues reaching out to an artist and saying listen here's a base price and then you get whatever and ticket on on top like a percentage of the ticket. Like if someone reached out to you and was like, here is base price 350 for you to come out. If you sell 25 tickets, you get $5 of the ticket or something. Like 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 base price like they're paying you or yeah, you're paying. Okay. They're paying you like because I've always felt like if you're asking me to come out, you know, depending on the level of artist you are, because we all know you got those dues that you have to pay because you got to learn how yeah. to be a performer. Um, but I always feel like if if a promoter is reaching out to me, they should be reaching out to me to put money in my pocket first. Sure. Because if I was reaching out to them, they'd be wanting me to put money in their pocket.
0: Yeah. You know, I've been on both sides of this because I remember being uh, a, a younger artist and like there's like, you know, like there's bigger promotional companies like you're, you know, I'm not even going to say anything bad. So I can say Drusky entertainment and mm-hmm. I, I like, Drusky, likes, you yeah. know, and I, it's like, you know, for their shows, I can almost understand that. Like, you know, when they have artists, you know, sell tickets to open up for those shows, I think it's more of like a, Oh, we just want to make sure we have somebody that's taking this seriously. Right. You know, on the show, I, we don't want just anybody. It's playing almost like show. weeding, you know, weeding out yeah. the,
1: the weaklings. You and know? I think too, it's good.
0: Um, For me anyways, it was really good exercise and starting to like take things a little bit more seriously and putting some accountability on the event. Because Mm -hmm. the thing is, like, you know, whenever you're selling tickets for those shows, they're like, we'll give you a buck, two bucks, three bucks from each of the tickets, right? So it's an opportunity to make some money. It gets you outside of yourself. You have to start, like, you only have so many friends, you Mm -hmm. can ask. So you can start reaching out to strangers online, saying that you have tickets, meeting up with people. You're creating networking. And, like you know, it's a good exercise in, like, forcing yourself to maybe promote the band and the show harder than you would otherwise. Right. Um you know
1: cuz i feel like social media is making people lazy when it comes totally, to promoting totally. like people feel like if you know i'll be honest even myself i'm getting ready for this show i'm putting in rehearsals i'm taking the music serious but i don't i don't necessarily have the time to post 6 7 times a week yeah i think that's fucking so- crazy You know, like I'm not a fucking mental per. you know, like I've got mental issues, but like I'm I'm not that mental brother. (laughs) Like so being on my phone and post and post and post, it's like, no, you're going to get one or two shares out of me and then one or two the day before, because that's what I can afford to do. Yeah. But I'm coming in and I'm going to fucking show out.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, like, honestly, with, you know, my bands, like, you know, I've been on both sides of this. I've been the type of person that. Had a very strict social media schedule because I thought that it would help or affect things, you know, like help grow. Mm-hmm. And I've I have seen no difference between posting every day of the week and posting once a week. What I what I've that noticed, I, it's, is, I'm sorry. The ahead. only
1: <laughs> difference is that like I'm less happy. Right, <laughs> that's it. And, and that's why, like, even I've like uh, we were talking before we started recording, trying to strategically set social media to reflect my life because you have to think about it if you're looking at social media you're looking at Facebook right Facebook is your friends you don't want to bombard and beat your friends over the head with your stuff you want them to like it maybe share maybe follow but you want them to be able to grow with your art to me Instagram is the people that don't know you because your post can show up on somebody's wall um someone can share it there, there's so much more accessibility to your content on Instagram. So when I post on Facebook, I'll post something an encouraging word or about a show and try to play that towards my Facebook friends because they're gonna like that. You know, oh, well, they they don't want me out here like, yeah, motherfuckers, come out to this show. We're gonna be like piss drunk. What? They're gonna be like, come on, Royce. You know, sure. I've I've got you know I've still got the the church. <laughs> grandma's <laughs> I still got them on my timeline uh-huh. so I've got to be you know but on Instagram I can be a little bit more free because it's a you know more of a yeah. busy street so the louder you scream the more colorful you are the more you'll get noticed mm-hmm. sure I think that there is a
0: way that I'm and I'm this isn't like some fucking you know <laughs> fucking you know I'm trying to get to 92. This (laughs) isn't
1: some, uh, fuck, 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 fucking, fucking thing.
0: (laughs) This isn't some like hidden secret or anything, right? This is just how I do things. And it might help you. It might help somebody that's listening, right? Drop in knowledge. So in terms of me and social media, I think that it's fine to post on every app with your band once a week. And I think that's all you need to do. Now, the interesting thing about this is that there is some caveats to it because one, I think Instagram is actually three apps because I think people that look at the feed aren't always the same as people that only look at stories, aren't always the same as people people that look look at reels, reels,
1: aren't always the same as people that look at the discovery. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: you really got three or four different apps in Instagram. Right. So that's the only caveat in this, but. I will post like, oh, like, you know, like say, like Monday's Facebook day, Tuesday, Instagram feed, then the next day, a story. Like, I just, that's how I just spread it out throughout the week. Mm. And the reason why I do that is because a big percentage, oh, let's put it this way, let's rewind. I think a big part of the reason why people feel that they need to constantly post is they wanna make sure that everybody sees what they're trying to post or that people are reminded. But a big chunk of people that follow you on Facebook, also probably follow you on Instagram or on Twitter and things mm-hmm. like that. So you could post 7 times on Facebook or you could post once on Facebook, once on Instagram, once on Twitter and chances mm-hmm. are that same person's still going to see all three posts on three different days right. and they're not going to feel like you're posting on Facebook all the time, the time. cuz they're seeing it in different places.
1: Yeah, and I've also tried to even um like do different pictures like I posted something it was like Mo- Monday motivation a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I posted like a picture uh, for Facebook and I did a different one for Instagram, Yeah, you know, just because toying around with it, you know, sure. trying to, at least for me, trying to find the art in social media yeah. and well, how I can, cause I feel like there, there is an art aspect to it. Definitely. You know? I uh, think
0: it's about keeping people's interest. And I think that there are some people who genuinely can post multiple times a week oh, on yeah. the internet. And it's successful because they actually have something to say. They have yes. something of value to, to share with the world. And there's going to be weeks that are busier as an artist where maybe you have a lot going on and there's a lot of cool shit to share. Right. Share away. But if you're ever just fucking sitting there staring at your phone, like, like oh what man, the fuck am what I gonna am I going to post? I have to post something? Put it down. You don't have to post shit. Because chances are, if you just post some nonsense, it's going to be worse. Right. Like there are big artists that I follow that I have like, Unfollowed or unsubscribe from on YouTube just because they post too much. I'm like, this is overwhelming. I just right. cannot handle the amount of information that you're putting at me. Right. And I would just rather check in with you later down the line when I think about you. Right? Because like that's the other thing too. Is I is sometimes as an independent artist, you have this like hunger in you to always make sure that you're being seen and to make sure that people are acknowledging what you're doing and you're not getting missed. Right? Mm-hmm. But like. My favorite fucking artists and people in the world, even like my favorite local artists, I'm not even going to put it on like a grand scale. I'm not listening to their music every day. I'm not checking in with them on Instagram every day. No. But I could be like, yeah, I fucking love the Back Alley Sound dudes. Or like, yeah, I love Ed Hockley. That's a Pittsburgh deep cut. Or, or Jake Dahl. Or yeah, you know, yeah. Or, like I love like, you know, there, there's so many local artists that I appreciate and I don't need them to be post- I don't. I don't know when the fucking last time Back Alley Sound posted was. It was probably recently, but I didn't fucking see it. But I still
1: love them. <laughs> you know, it's like, you don't, people don't need I to. Still said, <laughs> I know that was hypothetical, but I'm like, damn, I don't know either. And two of them motherfuckers is in my band. <laughs> I don't, it,
0: it but, really doesn't matter. It's just yeah, like, it you know, you make an impact on people that is positive. It's going to stick with them. You don't yes. need to reinforce it daily with no. fabricated that, social media posts.
1: And that's like, for, like for me, um, like I'm not really super big on like the, so like I'm really, really bad because I'm on to the next, kind of person Mm. you know i do the work i put in the time like oh was it um june of this year we released a music video called devil in the blue dress yeah and i posted it a couple of times i use it for a couple of promotional things but i'm not posting it all the time because i know that like in this industry you get a good two weeks oh yeah when something first comes out you get a good two weeks yeah then six months after that it might become a classic but, like, if you're continually posting the same fucking video that you've done, it
0: can't be coming from it, you too. That's the thing I think a lot it's like if if in order for like people to really take you seriously, seriously? It they needs have to, to come hear from, from someone some... else exactly but, exactly
1: but the thing that i do in my favor is that i'm such a private person and a lot of the people that follow me they are actual supporters yeah like, they're like yeah we're actual fans yeah. of yours so they're like when are you gonna tell us what you're doing like i've i've had shows and they're like i didn't even know you had a show that day and I was like because i don't tell people i'm horrible so but it builds that interest of but I want to know when you're playing. Yeah, I, I liked that show. Tell yeah. me when you're playing. It's Oh, like, damn, you didn't tell me the last three times? I'm definitely coming this fourth. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that there is, so this is something really psycho that I used to do. I don't recommend anybody doing this, but it is an idea if you want to try it out. <laughs> so for about a year, right, um, I started tracking who interacted with my social media posts, mm-hmm. and I made an Excel spreadsheet. And every week I would go back through and check and be like, oh, that person liked my post again and get a tally. And then you could organize it by tallies. And that's Hmm. how I started to figure out who was fucking with my shit the most and who wasn't. And then when I had shows or like I was putting out something, I would just message those people. I wasn't like, hey, I've been keeping up and I know that you're liking my stuff. (laughs) Just like, hey, you know, I know that you support my shit. I'm about to drop this music video. Do you want to help me share
1: it? But I think that, I mean, doing that consistently. Yeah, that's a lot. but. You know, I mean, it's too much yeah. their own. But that's a great strategy for, like, working on an album. Okay, I'm working on this album. Six months I'm working on it. I'm going to start to keep a tally of people who are totally. following me yeah. so I can reach out to them and be like, yo, I see you fuck with my shit. Just want to let you know this is coming up. Because what is also becoming more and more a part of this music industry and this artist industry is that people want to know the artists. Yeah. They actually want to feel like they're connected with you. Like, they don't want to be best buddies. You know, because they like the, the persona, you know? Not even the persona, but they they like you at face value, you know? Like, um, if if any of the people that, like, I played with or, like, you know, came to my show, if they hung around me all the time, they'd probably be like, damn, bro, you're annoying as hell. Like, you watch cartoons, like, all the fucking time. You're playing video games, you know? Like, you're busy as hell. Like, damn, like, you're kind of fucking boring. Sure. But to be connected to... The music and the artist that is giving them these feels and this emotion, they do want to be connected to that in some in some way. Yeah. So being able to reach out and say like, "Yo, it would really mean a lot to me if you came to this show." I yeah. see that you're fucking with my shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's a great strategy. like you know.
0: Yeah, I I've, I'm gonna
1: have to talk that one. You know, for some no, of those do it. sleepless nights.
0: <laughs> do it. I know. I've been. I think that you know, over the past couple of years, I've been a little not so good with being that kind of a person in terms of like keeping up with who is like into my stuff and like personally inviting people out to gigs granted 2020 there wasn't much opportunity right but you know coming out of that I'm starting to like just kind of get back on the ball because like (laughs) it's almost a weird sort of thing where like the first few shows that we played I almost like didn't want everybody there. <laughs> you know? I, I, like I know that feeling. Shaking the dust just, off Right, like, you know, you know like,
1: we're just getting back into yeah, this Yeah, maybe thing. don't come out
0: to this one, you know? But, uh, that's the funny thing too is because you can practice all you fucking want. It's no... There's no way there's no way to anticipate being on a stage.
1: No, there's a the moment yeah. in the moment. You know, yeah, like yeah. I we try to do that as well when we rehearse, you know, trying to practice. I practice what I'm going to say, you know, and how we're going to do transitions. But that energy, you cannot anticipate it. You can't anticipate, you know, whether you're going to be in front of a lot of people and they're going to vibe with it and they're going to be bouncing up and down. That's going to change your fucking game. Oh, yeah. Versus like you're in there and you're you don't have a very large crowd and or people aren't fucking with you and you're just like, Oh man, I'm putting all this into it. And they're like, What can I do to turn the key? What can I do to turn the tide to get the anticipated result that I'm looking for? Um, so like yeah, that's and that's that's the shit that I really do like love and talk like I don't know, if you have like a road we're going down, I'm just we're just cruising. So when I first started doing music, like I said, I was uh thirteen years old. Um my father got me into music. I I wanted to be a singer. I could not sing at the time. Um and so I became a rapper. He used to write poetry and I would, you know, recite his words and he's like, "Wow, you really have something." Um and then he was like, "Well, if you're going to be a performer, we're going to start really getting you trained and prepared." So, I would rehearse three times a week in my basement. I had this board that had faces written on it. Some were smiling. Some were sad faces. (laughs) Just to try to like anticipate like the audience, you know, because I was doing, again, I was doing new metal, you know, so I didn't really anticipate having a very happy audience all the time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm up there and they're like, oh, wow. Like, because everyone, they look at you at face value. they're like, we're going to get this. And I'm like, and they're like, what is this? Sure, Um, You know, but running on the treadmill and just really – getting into the mindset of being a performer because it's a different level than just being like a musician or an artist you have to learn how to engage with your audience so i try to treat every show like it's a bar you know like a small pub i try to just pay attention to the three to four people that are right here maybe 10 people that are right here and talk to them yeah because if I'm going to reach anyone, I'm going to reach you and you're going to feel what I'm talking about and you're going to feel what I'm saying. You know, I, um, I love to reach out and talk to people that are just chilling in the back, not doing anything. People make funny faces. I say, I see that, you know, <laughs> like, um, because that is that, that's the impact that I love. You know, it's a give and take when you're on that stage.
0: Yeah. I think that crowd participation, crowd interaction, And just, you know, understanding that, you know, there's a certain level of empathy that you have to have with the room. It's Mm -hmm. going to make the event so much better. Like people aren't taking time out of their day to watch you have a band
1: practice.
0: Give them a show.
1: Give them a show. Entertain. Mm Mm-hmm cry Do the whole thing bleed
0: yeah you know, you know the roll the on. that's the thing that's the thing that like really makes people connect because it's like mm-hmm. what is fundamentally different between like you know in an artist that's playing like like some of like the you know like the talent that we might have that would like play like main stage at Town? what's mm-hmm. the difference between some of those artists and like an artist that is at like console energy center playing like you know in front of you know tens of thousands of people what's the difference they both human they're both musicians they probably both have great songs mm-hmm. right there really is not much of a difference between those two right it's just a matter of you know who's putting on the, the, the show the, the, the,
1: who's putting who's on the selling show it
0: in the connection that they how many people they have a connection to right right but if you go between sometimes like what's the difference between somebody that is you know that was asked to play deutsch town versus somebody that has they don't, they don't even want them to play in like one of the, the shit rooms that they have bands playing. Right. Right. Lack of connect. Like you can't even like connect with the people to like be recognized as like somebody that is somewhat entertaining enough to like be put on a stage. Right. Cause a, so a nice face like and a good smile like is not going to
1: yeah. impact
0: people. You know, I you think know? That it's really just about like connecting with people on a level that people outside of, you know, your bubble Mm -hmm. are going to acknowledge like, holy shit. Cause usually no matter what, any show you go to, even if there's only, it's probably even higher. If you go to a show and there's only three fucking people there, I guarantee you one or two of those people shouldn't be there. They have one friend (laughs) that wanted to be there and they brought those other two people People with them. Yeah, exactly. So you got, so there's always people in a room that aren't supposed to be there or at (laughs) least least don't want to be there. Right. Right. Those you gotta are the prove people, them motherfuckers that the, they wanna be there. Those are the people that you have to impress because those mm. are the one motherfucker already knows. Right. Which is cool. Thank you, motherfucker, for knowing. <laughs> but the other two, Appreciate three, you, you, motherfucker. you gotta get them because they're gonna, like, holy shit. Like, you know, I right. went to this show I with went to fucking this show Jeff. And, right. And, you know, I thought it was gonna be a bunch of bullshit and it was great. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, this kind of goes back to uh, the like Dresky Entertainment and bands opening up for bigger bands. And sometimes I see a problem in the sense of a lot of times I feel that they don't always vet out the bands that are playing like, Oh, you agree to sell this many tickets. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter if you're not good. Right. As long as you sell Sell the tickets, tickets, you can open up for this band. Right. And that creates a problem for me because a lot of people that are going to that show aren't people that go to local music shows often. No. So the the opening band, they are the representation of, the of show. Pittsburgh's local music scene as a whole. And if they suck,
1: we suck. Local
0: music sucks. <laughs> yeah. And that and the thing that makes me mad about it, that like upsets me is like as a promoter, I can understand maybe not having the time to do research to get a band that's good, but there's so many good local bands that Mm -hmm. this could actually become profitable for you where if you can find the talent that is good Mm -hmm. and get them on the stage, you could start doing local shows on the venues off nights that people are actually going to come to because you know, the bands that are good.
1: Right? I mean, and that's, that's one of those things that, you know, not to, not to hype, but like we pride ourselves on being able to put on great shows. You know, with the energy from Boslin, from Miles, from Dizzy, from Jay, like all of the different components because it's – what I love about Royce and and this project is that we're not a monolith. You know, we are not just one singular thing. Lady J, she sings great R&B, gospel, soul, did Off-Broadway two years. You know, Dante Jordan, he's opened up for stellar – Amazing artists, you know, um, Migos and and artists like that, like he brings that to the table. Miles is, you know, Miles, you know, Boslin, you know, yeah. um, Chris Volpini, like all of that energy. We're literally like a team put together that's designed to fucking kill and slay. Because we're focused on the fact that we have to touch people. Yeah. We already know that we're somewhat behind the eight ball because we do a different genre of music. We're part of the weird go- weirdo category. We're claiming black rock. Sure. Somewhat political. That's you only know, an issue and- <laughs> for the venues.
0: It's not an issue for people.
1: And that's what is so hard to get through the venues' heads. Like, yeah,
0: that's the, you know, the, but- the, issue, the, the issue. It becomes an issue when you realize that your access to the people is the venue. Mm-hmm. And, you know there's, like, an opportunity, you know, like, say, like, I don't know how often, like, you try to, like, open up for, like, if you do any of that sort of shit, like, opening up for bigger bands and the thing. We do some thing. of yeah. that, yeah.
1: Because, like... Because I, you, that, I feel like you have to. It's yeah. relationship to this yeah. point. Like, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, um, but, like... B- Working with Drusky, we've built relationships with those that are there that will actually reach out to us and say, Hey, we have this person. I'm putting your name in the ring because we actually fuck with you. Yeah. So at that point, it's a relationship, knowing that Drusky does do a lot better business than some of these other promotion companies that want you to do ticketing. Um, They actually have a care and you have a connection with those that are involved.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's huge. And the whole reason I was like asking is because I know it's, definitely more common i think for the bands that i feel are like the most talented in the city to be the type of people to avoid those things like they don't want to deal with it they, they more or less just promote their own shows mm-hmm. which i get but you're it's really hard to expand unless it's, you're playing. Yeah. Mean, i mean if you're touring and shit like that that's a completely that's different, a different, different story. thing, right but if you're trying to just like if you're only you know just focused on trying to build a local community because like I really don't even see much of a point in even trying to tour unless you have some sort of a local fan base that's going to be willing to support you Mm -hmm. because you need to have somebody to have your back. So when people are like, who the fuck is this? They're not going to ask you. They're going to ask your city, city.
1: right? That's that's, good. Pittsburgh. Who the fuck is this motherfucker? That's what They're going (laughs) to ask, right?
0: So, uh, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's weird. I think that It's, it's so weird. Um, there are, there's a lot of nuance in terms of what is a good thing to do for your band? What is a bad thing to do for your band? Everybody mm-hmm. has different opinions, especially with the ticketing thing. It's a yeah. whole can of worms. It's just like what, whatever, whatever feels good to you, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm willing to take advantage of any opportunity that you're leaving on the table. So right. rock and roll. If I, you I, don't want to play that show, I will.
1: Yeah. I, for me, I think that, you know, um, it's not even so much about, like not taking those shows because like we, we have Lady J is also the band manager and she's great. She's great because whereas I can do these things and talk to you, I am horrible with having conversations with those promoters and the business people because I'm a scatterbrain artist and don't always know how to say this is what this is. Yeah. Because I know that you really don't give a shit. You like, you do, but like I have 30 seconds to pitch you on whether or not you're going to hire me. I need someone mm. that's got a way better way of doing that and pitching it in your language because i'm going to give you artist language which is going to take 10 minutes yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um but like she reaches out and like she connects with venues she connects with promoters you know she'll ask like "Well, what do you guys think about this show as a band we often vet these things because we've had the experience of being you know going through so many of these trials so usually it's like okay we don't really want to do this ticketed thing but we haven't had a show in about four weeks you yeah. know, um, it would be a good thing to, like, continue to get our name out there, you yeah. know, because people know us for our good shows, for our our high-energy shows. Um, it's also, like, I don't turn nothing down with my collar because you never know when your opportunity is going to come. I've got four or five different poles in the water at any time sure. because you could be like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. And a week later, the person that did do it, that may not be at your higher your, – your quality – I'm like God damn it! I should have been there. I should have done that. You know. Yeah. Um. But we've also been very blessed. You know, we uh, coming out of the pandemic, we were able to get a lot of the festivals. Um, we did uh, Millville. Yeah. Uh, we played Mister Smalls, and that was great. You know, it was um, it's the first time that we had done Mister Smalls as Royce. Um, I've done Mister Smalls for the PVOS, playing with other artists. Um. And I think Miles and Bosn have done Mr. Smalls, but as Royce, it was like a real staple yeah. for us. Um, the other thing that I was going to say is for me, it's also like just band politics are so important because there's going to be bullshit mm-hmm. and you can allow the bullshit to upset you. You can, and I'm going to, cause fuck this guy. I'm going to tell you a story. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. We're gonna, story time. Cool. Um, so we did Mr. Smalls, and we had a, a you know a great summer. We put out music videos. We're working on the album, and we got asked to open up for this band called Animal Sun. Okay. And they're on tour, and they're from LA, and we're come. We drive fifty minutes. We get to Katanning, and these guys are just like so up in arms about the fact that like there's no one showing up, and other bands sold more tickets than them. And it's just like, dude, you're being such an ass. Your bandmates are literally complaining about you, (laughs) you know? You're not helping yourself. You don't have the proper attitude because you feel like every fucking show should be the highlight. You have to understand that when you have those fucked up shows, your band is what have your back. When you're playing to two, three, four people, your crew has your back. You can't shit on them and then shit on them in front of, an audience or, you know, in front of other bands. So for me, it's just making sure that as a band leader, I'm able to take suggestions, listen, pay attention, use the knowledge that is in the room with me. Yeah. Because that will help us get further quicker. Yeah. Without going through the bullshit. You yeah. know,
0: I remember I saw there was this band. Uh, They're like, I think they're another band that's from like air quote L.A. I don't know how many bands <laughs> from know, LA okay. are actually from LA. <laughs> LA. <laughs> I'm not too sure, but I think they're a California-based band. Mm. But um it's like this like this like three piece punk trio called the Coat Hangers. Okay. Um really cool band, fun, punk, you know, kind of garage punky stuff, real bratty. Um they played at Roboto, which at the time felt like it was kind of a small venue for them to be playing mm. because they're not a huge band, but they're not exactly a Roboto band. Like, you know, I could see them playing like downstairs at Spirit or somewhere that was a little bigger, that was a little bit more of like a real venue. Nothing against Roboto, but mm-hmm. I think that... Uh, yeah, I've, you know I've played Roboto. It's one of those spots. I don't feel like it's the best. It's not necessarily accommodating for you know, a band from the West coast that's touring full time and probably used to playing rooms that are three or four times that size, Mm -hmm. you know? So I, I could totally get why they were maybe in a bad mood. Mm -hmm. And, but during the set, they were kind of like berating the sound tech. And it seemed like they were like not happy being there and like not taking it very seriously. It was like, okay, I totally get That this room's a lot smaller than probably what you're used to playing. And I get that, you know, the sound in this room isn't perfect. It's a DIY space, right? Right. But this room's full of people right now. And everybody's watching you be the way that you're you're being. being. I haven't listened to that band since that show. Damn. I just, I can't. right Because anytime I think about that band, I just think about...
1: You, like the attitudes, you, yeah, the like, and attitudes. I, I have
0: empathy for where they were coming from, but still at the But keep it inside. <laughs> right. There's a room full of people that taking time out of their day to come watch you play.
1: Right. Give them a fucking show.
0: Like, you know, like, give them a show. Have some fun. If you have issues, whatever. I'm sure it's not the worst show that you've ever, ever played. played as a band. Right. And it's not the last show like that, that you're gonna ever play. gonna play.
1: And that's that like I said, that's why it's so important just to make sure like that you you have your shit together in terms of understanding why you do it. Why do you do music? Why do you perform? Why do you get up there in front of people? Whatever reason that you have to do that, you know, if you're doing it for fame, then keep your shit together yeah. so you can keep your fame together. Yeah. Because and if you know, you're out there, like, let somebody go and say, like, oh, yeah, I went and saw them in Pittsburgh and they're complete and total assholes. Full, and you're like, that's not cool. That's hurting your brand. Yeah,
0: and I, I totally, and I have empathy for it because I've been, like, a total motherfucker on stage. You know, like I've yelled at sound techs when they didn't deserve it. I've been rude to other people on my band. Like I've thrown temper tantrums on stage and uh, it's incredibly embarrassing and I feel like a total dumb dumb for doing it. And I'm sure people that were in the room at that time were very much like, well, fuck this guy. So it's like, I totally get like both. It's like, I've been in both positions, right. you know, like I'm not fucking flawless, right? right. But like, you know, I think that, That's having that experience of being somebody that has made mistake like that. It's like, okay, well, what can I learn from this? Like, why did this mistake happen? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, is it, is it actually the venue? Is it just me? Is it, or am I just like playing a place that I shouldn't be playing? Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, okay, you know, back to the whole coat hangers thing. It's like, you didn't have to play that show. You could it, have looked at, it's venue, not like, hard to go on YouTube and see what that venue is. Right. If you're not certain about something. Right. Right. You know, um, but
1: whatever. But I think it's also, it's about artists doing your research too. Like that's, I'm, your I'm tour really managers. I mean, tour if, managers, if you're on that
0: level, they're not booking their own shows. They have somebody that, But know.
1: it's like you know, I don't know. I, I would like to say that if not, if, because the devil is a lie. When we get to that level, (laughs) Um, I'd like to hope that there's still that innocence in me that still wants to like go up and look like, who's opening? Like, who am I playing on stage with? Sure. What's the venue? Like, Uh, because, like, I just, it's so important for me because, like, music and art, it's like a spiritual thing. You know, like when I'm getting into that moment, I'm getting into that Zen moment. I'm, you know, I treat it like it's a spiritual thing, but I also treat it like it's a sports thing. I got to know the arena that I'm going in. Absolutely. Into. absolutely. I, I've got to know my players, you know? Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. Anytime, especially when we're playing on a town, I always will look up the other bands. I will always try to look and like go on YouTube and see what this venue looks like. Mm-hmm. Go on their website. What other events do Have they, you done? Like, yeah, like what? What is this place? What are we walking into? Right, you know what I mean. Like, I will go on Google Maps Street View. What <laughs> well, is I'm around gone. this place? Is it like in the middle of nowhere? Right, you know, or is it on like a busy street? Like, right. what? What? Are, what is the vibe of like what's going into? Because
1: this? you want to know that you, as an artist, and and not to get on like a. um a, a Kanye rant. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> no, <I'm, laughs> I mean, but um four hours later. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but as an artist, you start to understand that you have moments where you create. You know, it's a beautiful thing when you can sing a song that means something to you that you wrote and you can look in the eyes of the audience and you've connected with them. Yeah. You know, you've created that emotion. You you everyone felt some different way when they walked in. But for the 45, 35, 15 minutes that you had, you gave them a, a a roller coaster of emotions and experiences. Yeah. You know, so having that mindset of like, wow, we are creators. We are builders. We actually make changes in people's lives. Um, I remember the first time I realized that I was playing at a bar and I was still kind of getting used to that like 2017 I really wasn't doing bars like mind you a year before that I was in the a Christian, Christian stuff, yeah cool. I was in Got a it. Christian band um and someone walked up to me after I played a song called Wretched Man which is um well I almost plugged but psh. um <laughs> um and he walked up to me and he said you know I just lost my job today and I uh, came in here to get a drink and when you played that song, I realized like it might be a blessing in disguise that I don't have a job right now because I haven't really seen my family in 19 months. And I was like, wow. And he's like, so I'm going to go home and I'm going to hug my kids. And I'm going to tell my wife, I love her. and I'm going to figure this thing out. Like, Karumba. you know, but yeah. it's like that music, what we did had that kind of effect. We don't always get to hear those stories, but, when you have that moment to connect don't take that shit for granted yeah because you could be the reason that someone has a great night or you could be the reason they have a shitty night (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah because if you went and you spent ten dollars to go get some pizza and some beer and listen to a band and like the band sucks well now your pizza sucks (laughs) 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 yeah the beer's not getting you drunk enough uh you know i'm not drunk enough to deal with this shit Uh you know Yeah. yeah Um, but yeah, just, I want, I always want to be cognizant of that. And we try to always remember that, you know, and that's why I love the group that I play with because we have that understanding that this is a gift, you know, we, yes, it took time to learn how to play our instruments and to use our voices, but it didn't feel like it took time because we love doing it and we got better at it and we've reached the point where we can uh, affect people's lives. Mm -hmm. And actually be the change that we wanted to see when yeah. we were in middle school and high school and college and things like that. We can, in five minutes, tell someone a beautiful love story and they can remember what love is. <laughs> you sure. know, I'm, yeah. and it gets deep. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I'm sorry, segueing, if that's okay. Absolutely. Um, our album is called Life, Love, and the Thoughts Thereafter. Um, it is a 17 track project. That we wanted to kind of really show and talk about like what life, love, and the thoughts thereafter are mm-hmm. um and I'm excited to share it because so much has happened that is that has made us as human beings vulnerable you know we have uh we've lost people that we didn't think that we'd lose, jobs have been lost um Government has betrayed us <laughs> over and over again. You know, for some people, our, our pillars have fallen from under us. The things that, you know, we based our lives on. Yeah. Um, and so being able to have a project that helps people to reflect on those beautiful things. Um, I have a song on there called Got You, where I talk about um, a really close friend of mine named Andrew Bruner, Mr. Ugly Face, who um, passed away last year. And in that song, it's so healing to be able to talk about it because the way that he left was unexpected. Yeah. You know, he took his own life. Okay. Um, so wanting to use the art to talk about that, to express that, because what is life? What is love? What are the thoughts thereafter? What's going to happen You know, do we know, like, today I'm doing music, tomorrow, what could happen? But to really cherish all these moments, no matter where you are, no matter where you're from, no matter your background, um, to be unity and to be connected, um, to talk about mental health. You know, this is something that we don't speak about in the African-American community as often as we should, Um, to talk about abuse, you know, and... Not so much air out the laundry, but start to get healing because that's what we need. You know, I think that slightly going back to the conversation of rock and roll, black rock and that, if we started to work on the healing that's in our music and build from that and the connectivity and stopped, you know, slicing it up because we feel like that's what we have to do to make it a business. You have to categorize it. Yeah. Well, what makes more money than unity? Barack Obama preached unity Mm -hmm. and became president because for the first time in a long time, we had someone that represented it. So what makes more money than unity? What makes more money than connection? Every show that we've produced, I've always made sure I had a different genre of music so that we can have a different scale of people that are in the audience so they can experience one another. Yeah. We stay in our bubbles and we start, you know, ba- killing each other and hurting each other because we're so frustrated because we are not expanding and expressing. Yeah, you know. Yeah.
0: So. No, it, the the whole bubble thing is a whole nother can of worms that I could Kanye rant about <laughs> if I damn well wanted to. But
1: Sixteen I, hours later. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Want, I don't want
0: to go down that. next time but yeah it's you know ultimately i just think that you know what makes a community great not a music community but a community community. in general is like oh like that person has a dope house and they're taking care of their yard and oh cool there's that that i like what that person's doing over there every house is different Mm -hmm. that's kind of like every band if you're in a community where every house looks the same you feel kind of weird right right it's like you know oh like there's no real like culture understanding here everything is the same it's cookie cutter and it's all like like a planned neighborhood right Mm -hmm. you know it's like oh this is like something weird out of like one of those creepy movies where somebody gets killed right right i don't don't want to be here i don't want to be here (laughs) like you know i like like oh okay sure you know like some things are a little bit you know some, some things are nicer than others, but as a whole, it makes the community a great thing. Right. So I always try to like, look at like the music community as like an actual community and, you know, neighborhoods as like, uh, you know, like, or like, like streets is like different little, uh, genres and every house on that street. And like, you know, the idea of a block party is like, what a show. Like, I don't know. It's this whole, you can take the analogy like really, really deep. Yeah. But I think it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, yeah, without, going down that wormhole of things you get what i'm saying (laughs) i'm really good at repeating myself over and over again i think that the train is rounding the station here in terms of our conversation we could easily do this for another hour and you're more than welcome (laughs) to come back anytime be happy to have you back on but before we pull the plug on this before we let our listeners go about their day what do you want them to know that they may not already know?
1: Um. Well, how you doing? <laughs> What's up? This is the Royce Cam right here. We about to have a conversation, audience.
0: <laughs>
1: what you may not know is that we are working on our debut album, Life, Love, and the Thoughts Thereafter. It is going to be a great project. Um, we're looking to try to drop it in October, but you know how those things go. So um, we're trying to get. All about eggs in a basket. Um, right now, we don't have any shows going on, but we're working on music videos. Also, please follow us. That's uh, was it Facebook? Is Royce? You don't know.
0: <laughs> look, just just look up, look up, yeah. uh, look up Royce on uh,
1: on yeah Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, yeah. yep. Instagram is Royce official. Uh, Facebook is Royce official. Pgh. So it has been a pleasure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. I like
1: talking to them. And uh,
0: I guess that's, that's about it. We did it. We did it. So with that being said, (laughs) that is all folks. Thanks so much for being here. One more time. Royce. Thank you. Yeah. I'll be back again (laughs) next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know, the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2021. Woop whoop. Thanks for listening. And we're done. That was a podcast. We made it happen. It's good shit. Hell yeah. <laughs>